We want to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which this podcast is recorded, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations, whose sovereignty was never ceded, and this area's original name is Nam. We pay respect to them and their elders, past, present and emerging. Hey, before we Wait, go... Whoa! Well, you said if we were ready to record... I didn't say go. <laughs> All right, go, go, go. Obviously, you're listening. Fuck. Nah. No, go. I don't know what I'm saying. This is the oh. ad. This is it. Oh, this is it. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we have, if you're listening to this podcast, you might want to come and see our show and we're doing a stand-up comedy show that's, you know, stressing Annie out to no end. <laughs> but, um, if you want to come along and see it, head to annieandbianca.com.au and you can buy tickets. Also, we have an accessibility-friendly show. show and we'll have an Auslan interpreter there. So that'll be at 5.15 on Saturday the 18th of April. So you can buy tickets online. What else do we need to say about it? Mm. Uh, um, It's going to be a barrel of laughs. I just thought of the barrel of monkeys. Same. Yeah, yeah. we are so the same. Okay, bye. <laughs> You're listening to We Want to Be Better. It's a little mini series, babe. From a really young age, alcohol had always been around me. As a child, I would sit around the dining table with my family as the adults all drank wine with lunch or dinner. The men in my family always had a beer in their hands. They'd even put a tinsy bit of beer in the lid of their drink and let me sip it and laugh about the face I'd pull afterwards. I would often go to the Croatian club with my family and I'd sit around at the bottom of the bar playing with coins that had fallen on the floor while the men all drank around me. I remember I was sick with a cold and my granddad used the traditional Croatian method of giving me rakia, a very strong Croatian spirit, to help warm me up and heal me. My granddad was a big drinker. He loved wine. He had a sign in his house that said, life's too short to drink bad wine. I also remember my granddad telling me, you can't get a hangover if you keep drinking. And I lived by that advice for a really long time. On school holidays, my family would go to our beach house with family friends. My memories of that time are shrouded by the smell of Jim Beam. The adults loved Jim Beam and Diet Coke. The adults would get really rowdy and have massive parties and us kids would always have a restless night's sleep while all the adults stayed up drinking, playing darts and dancing to music. As a child, alcohol was just everywhere. Looking back now, I'm not surprised I grew up to become a big drinker because it was all I had really seen. Not just from my own family experiences, but alcohol was everywhere. Movies, TV, advertising, I had been raised to revere alcohol. And not once, ever, even when I was at the point of hating alcohol, did I ever really think it was bad for me. I didn't see it as dangerous for my health. Why would I? Everyone around me was doing it. My grandfather had tried to heal my cold with it. I thought it had medicinal powers. I thought red wine was an essential part of your diet because it gave you antioxidants. I had this warped sense that, Alcohol was actually good for me. All my life, I was told to slip, slop, slap because the sun could give me skin cancer. I was told not to smoke because only a galah would suck tar. I knew no glove, no love because unprotected sex led to STIs. I was cautious of eating too much sushi because there was mercury in the water and I was really wary of cooking chicken because I was worried about salmonella. I made sure my drink bottle was BPA free and, of course, I knew to give hugs, not drugs. 
but alcohol? Mm, I never really heard anything bad about alcohol. I mean, aside from don't drink and drive, but that was more about being safe when you drank alcohol. The alcohol itself wasn't harmful. I mean, alcohol might damage my liver, but that was all. I didn't think there was any harm in drinking it. I grew up with it around me. It was a natural part of life. It was legal. It was fine. As far as I was aware, alcohol was completely safe. I'm a millennial, so obviously online is a place I like to hang out. It's one of my main stops for socialisation, but it's also one of the main sources of the information I receive. And since we're talking about health on this episode, well, the online community loves dishing out unsolicited health advice. Though people love react to a bronze bod on Instagram, it's no longer the done thing to bake out in the sun and it's certainly frowned upon to jump into a solarium bed. But far less people, approximately a third, will die of skin cancer versus alcohol. What's more, recent findings are showing that alcohol can increase your risk of skin cancer. The review gathered results from 13 studies and found that 10 grams of alcohol per day was linked with a 7% increase in risk of basal cell and 11% increase in risk of squamous cell carcinoma. If I'm on Instagram and someone so much as suspects I haven't put my seatbelt on correctly in the car, I will be slammed for it. Yet six times more people will die of alcohol compared to car-related deaths. And of those fatal crashes, drink driving is the number one contributing factor, making up approximately 30% of fatal crashes in Australia. Can you imagine seeing someone rack up a line of Coke for Instagram? Hell no. I mean, it's even illegal. But drug overdose also kills only a sixth of the amount of people that alcohol does. Not to mention that alcohol is often the gateway substance to illicit drug taking. We have a giant campaign online called Are You OK Day, making sure we raise awareness for mental health. People will call out people for bullying and remind each other to apply self-care. And so they should. What's ignored, though, is that one in four suicide victims have alcohol in their blood, though that number could be a lot higher because many aren't tested. And a person addicted to alcohol is up to 120 times more likely to be successful at suicide than someone with no substance use disorder. Babes in bikinis is a common occurrence on the old gram, but gosh, when someone doesn't swim between the flags, they will be told. Yet still people are silent on alcohol, despite alcohol contributing to over 20% of all adult drowning deaths every year. This rises to 41% in the 15 to 29 year age group, but overall figure is likely higher again as alcohol is not tested in all drowning deaths. It is found that more than 40% of the 770 people who drowned in Australia's inland waterways in the past 10 years had been drinking. It confirms the strong link between alcohol drownings and reckless behaviour near the water. Needless to say, it is also no longer glamorous to have a ciggy in your hand. But come on, how many people, including people that have quit smoking, will have a cigarette once they drink? Fat shaming is everywhere. There's no end to the amount of faux concern people have for others' health when it comes to appearance. 
I'm really not a fan of unsolicited health advice at all. People don't do it. It's just not cool. But what I can't stand is the hypocrisy. Obesity-related illness kills less people across Australia every year than alcohol. The World Health Organization cites that there are approximately the same amount of adults in Australia that are obese as there are people that consume alcohol at levels placing them at a lifetime risk of an alcohol-related disease or injury. The largest ever study to assess alcohol and disease has concluded that there is no safe level of drinking alcohol. No safe level. Approximately 6,000 Australians will die from alcohol-attributed disease each year, which is one person every 90 minutes. One in eight deaths of Australians under the age of 25 is attributable to alcohol. One in eight. There are approximately 160,000 hospitalisations attributable to alcohol each year, an average of about 430 a day. And as I know the demographic of this podcast, I feel it my duty to let you know that alcohol is more toxic to women than men and it takes longer to process. This is due to the smaller percentage of water in a woman's body and because the protein that breaks down alcohol is produced in smaller quantities in smaller livers. Look, I get it. This information is shit. But facts are facts and... Well, you decide what to do with them now. That's totally up to you. But just ask yourself, when you scroll through your Sunday Instagram feed, how many people do you see posing with a drink in hand? Would you have ever stopped for one moment on that photo to think it was unhealthy? I get that people are always elated when you can recommend an enjoyable, health-improving, recreational activity, and that isn't what I've done here. And the way the world works now is that shared information often aligns closely with what people want to believe or what they already believe or information that isn't going to disrupt the way they already live their life. It's confirmation bias 101. The algorithm online even spits content at you that it knows that you'll like, purposefully not giving you some of the facts because ignorance is not only bliss, but it is good for business at old Facebook and Instagram. But maybe if you get through this episode and feel touched by these facts, you could disrupt the machine and share this episode. Last week we were talking about mental health. Today we're talking about just health, general, just Gen- general health. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't want to scare anyone's sober. Don't want to scare anyone, but we've got to talk about facts. No, yeah, exactly. It exactly. comes down to the facts. And I was very shocked to hear that alcohol is bad for you. I didn't. Hmm. Uh, it's so silly to me now, but I thought that a little bit was actually good for you. It's yes. not, not just that. <laughs> That okay, I knew that if you drank a lot, that it was gonna like maybe fuck your liver, yeah, and get addicted, Mm. and then maybe you'd, I don't know, fall off a roof or something and hurt yourself. Okay, okay, I I sort of knew that, and I vaguely knew about fetal alcohol syndrome with babies, but even then, I thought that you could still have a glass or two, yeah, every now and then, yeah, that baby is fine, yeah, it's Mm. totally fine, Mm. but I really did think that it was good for you, yeah. 
I thought I it was good for your heart or something. I thought a little bit of red wine was actually yeah, good for I you. love like I look back on it now and I did think, oh, you know, like a red wine's good for you. One, not the red wine I was drinking, let's just say that, because all the antioxidants were probably not present in a box of goon. goon I, yeah. yeah, I didn't think so. If, there are so many other ways to get antioxidants without, you, you know what I mean? Like you don't <laughs> just yeah. a handful of blueberries by <laughs> doing. Yeah, oh yeah, I never thought of doing that. But I would be like, no, 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 I, I need to get my antioxidants this way. I need the wine. But alcohol, as we've learned, not very good for you. And I, I hate to talk facts and I don't like to scare people, but I do see a lot of social media of people, you know, if someone posts a photo of them with a cigarette, everyone, the comments are, oh, or if someone gets sunburnt, oh, you know, like, because we're skin cancer, we don't like skin cancer and we don't like um, smoking. But people post a photo of someone with a, a drink in their hand yeah. and no one says anything. Yeah. And actually... They're all on par with one another. That's sort of the thing. They're all class one carcinogens, which is crazy. Actually, in many ways, alcohol is worse. Yeah. Because often either alcohol is a gateway to those things. Like how many people will smoke? Don't smoke, yeah. I don't usually smoke, smoke, but when they have a drink, they have a smoke. Exactly. And statistic-wise, there are people that will have an alcohol-related incident Mm -hmm. more than those other things. Yeah. I I was – I've read this – this book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace, and I highly recommend it. And but I'm Ooh, just a teaser, little teaser. Might be coming on our we show. We might be having Annie Grace, my actual hero. We might be having her, like we're pretending like we haven't already interviewed her. <laughs> yeah, we've interviewed her. She's coming up. It's amazing. And I highly recommend you read the book, This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. Um, but in the book, I'm just going to read a teensy little bit from it. They were doing some research on 20 drugs on criteria related to overall harm. Overall alcohol scored as the most harmful drug with an overall harm score of 72. Heroin came in second with a harm score of 55. And crack cocaine was I hope third this just doesn't mean that people will always talk, oh, my well, I mean, heroin. Heza. Yeah, I mean, no, you may as well just do a bit of heza then. I mean, the risk's not that bad. But, I mean, that is really crazy, isn't it? Because I never in my life would have ever thought that alcohol was more dangerous than heroin. And you feel like a real party pooper calling it out, <laughs> don't you? You do feel like a party pooper. Yeah, I know. On the internet, if you find out, oh, Chocolate's actually great for you. You're going to share it. Yes, yeah, share that around. If you find out that alcohol is, you know, if there's one tiny, teensy thing to do with alcohol mm. that is good for you, yeah. that will get shared and shared and shared and shared. Yeah. With it swinging the other way, when, when you find out that something you really enjoy is maybe not that good for you, yeah. then you don't want to – you just want to – Give that a bit of cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. You want to just put your so, a little bit of space between you and that fact. Yeah. You just want to put it in that little box and bury it right down deep because, no, no. I'm not changing my ways. No, and it's, and that's why and that's the problem with alcohol because I had no idea that it was bad for you. The misinformation around it is just crazy because it's a huge industry in Australia. And, you know, we, we all share unscientific research. So, you know, these are not necessarily studies that have actually been performed by like the World Health Organization, for example. They're not scientifically backed research articles. We'll see it. Oh, you know, red wine's good for antioxidants. And we'll share that one because we care about that, yeah. those results. Yeah. But that's not necessarily true. Well, it's often paid for by the, the actual alcohol companies. Exactly. So, yeah, they put money into mm. spreading this information. Yeah. And it's really bizarre to me that with other things, say when you see things shared by Donald Trump 
And everyone goes, how does anyone believe that? It's not scientific, you know. Mm. And they'll really pick it apart. And people are quite cluey with everything else, whether it's climate change or, I mean, obviously there are plenty of people that don't. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you picked a bad example. <laughs> yeah. I just mean like people probably of our demographic that listen to this. Yeah. They're really cluey. They'll do more mm. research. They'll make sure that they've got their sources right. But when it comes to alcohol, mm. it gets a free, it really <laughs> no gets a free one, pass. No one, no one questions it, it. No one. And you know what's crazy is that I learnt this only when I went sober. That <laughs> this is so dumb. But alcohol is ethanol. It's literally the same thing that goes in your car. And I never, I would never go down to the petrol bowser and pull the petrol thing off and start guzzling fuel. Obviously, I'm not going to do that, but add a bit of lemon and some salt, make a margarita. I'm there for it. And I had no idea that alcohol is literally mm. a poison. Like when you vomit from drinking alcohol, it's because it's alcohol a poison. Poisoning. Yeah. But there are these things be... See, I did know that. Just like in the way that when I drank alcohol, I knew it was a depressant. I did mm. know that. Mm-hmm. I knew that alcohol is ethanol. I did know that. I knew that if I vomited, it was because of alcohol toxicity or poisoning. I did know that. Mm. But I just wanted the cognitive dissonance. I just chose. wanted, to, I just chose not to think that it was still that bad. Mm. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's because mm. it's just not fun. No. It is not fun to find that out. Actually, though, it is fun to realise that and then fucking reclaim your health. Yeah. And it's funny how much we care about health in society and yet, you know, like there have been so many times in my life where like I've been like I'm going to focus on health and or, you know, I'm going to quit smoking or I'm going to start going to the gym and there's all this stuff but alcohol is never anything ever that I would ever even consider cutting out because how could you live without it, right? Like it's like it's the elixir of life and I need it. Yeah. But and if you do want to quit and people, why? Why, why? would you do that? Why? You're going to, uh, if you turn around and go, oh, you know, because I want to live longer, people just scratch Confused, their head. Yeah. If you quit smoking, people go, oh, good. That's mm. really good for your children. Yeah. You, you know, you, <laughs> you're going to live yeah. longer. Yeah. In your health insurance, of course, like smoking is a really obvious one, um, but it kills, like, I think it was only three times the amount that alcohol does. Yeah, yeah, and then but then you think about how much alcohol contributes to people even fucking smoking in the first place. Yeah, so uh, I just I yeah I know, and it's it's also what's funny is that we as a society don't like like we hate being lied to. We want to find things out for ourselves. We want agency over our own selves, and yet we just sort of (laughs) roll over when it comes to alcohol. And we're like, yeah, tell us whatever you want. We don't care. We don't want to fight back. We don't want to claim. Like, I, I don't really have a problem with people drinking alcohol. I really don't care. It's obviously everyone's choice. But it angers me that we know, like, meth, not even once. And it angers me that everyone knows, like, you know, don't smoke, it's bad for you. But it really angers me that we don't know that about alcohol. We well, are not uh, being told the truth. Do you know what angers me truth. is that the big, high-up people that are meant to be looking after us, if you're smoking, they say quit, mm-hmm. right? You meth, not even once. Yeah. It's no. Don't do it. Hardline, don't do it. But for alcohol, it's drink wise. Have a couple. That's the, that's yeah. the organisation. Drink wise. Drink wise or drink responsibly. Yeah. It's making it sound like, oh, very moderation, you know, you're allowed to. Yeah. But like we discovered on our moderation app, for many people that moderation doesn't even work anyway. And as well, it, because alcohol is a poison. I mean, the, think about 
to when you were a child and you had your first sip of beer because I know that, you know, the adults would give me like a sip of wine and they'd laugh because I would pull a face because naturally my body doesn't want me to to drink it, right? That's why we have to add all these sugary drinks and, and really change the flavor because we're trying to mask the fact that we're drinking a poison. When you first think about how you first felt with alcohol, that first reaction of, oh, I don't like this, you have to force that reaction away to get to the point where you like it. And then what happens is because you build up a tolerance to it, you start needing more of it in order to get drunk. And that's why moderation really doesn't work because you might stick to two glasses of wine for say six months, but then after a few months, your body tolerance is built up. So that two has to become three. And that's why moderation just doesn't work. Uh, the true crime person in me thinks of that <laughs> that woman that tried to kill her husband with arsenic. Oh, yeah. And she put a little bit of arsenic in his food every day. And he just built up a tolerance. He just built up a tolerance. And he had like 700 <laughs> times the <laughs> fatal limit. I know. And, and then people- Could you imagine? You'd be like, why is he not dead yet? <laughs> How are you not <laughs> pouring the arsenic? Just like giving it directly into his mouth. Like, just, Why are you not yeah. dead? How are you but not dead yet? But it's the same thing. Mm. It's a poison and people go, but how? If it was that mm. bad for me, well, why wouldn't my body, you know, wh- why yeah. am I not shutting down right now or whatever? I know. Well, actually, your body does want to live. Yeah, your body's trying. Your, your body's, body's trying. <laughs> yeah. You're- I, do you know what's so funny though? All I knew was there was a risk to your liver. I didn't think there was a risk to me as a young person. I thought, you know, maybe in 50 years, uh, there'll be a bit of a problem. And even when I got really sick, the only good test results I had was my liver function. Literally, and I thought it's that muscle, spe- that organ <laughs> is working overtime. I was like, this organ, it's like when you go to the gym and it works out. I was like, my liver has worked overtime and now it's like too good. But I didn't, I, I didn't know that there was a cancer risk involved in alcohol. I didn't know that. And it's funny because when I stopped drinking, I was at your birthday party and I had my non-alcoholic wine because no one knew I was um, sober at this point and I was pretending that I was drinking. And someone switched glasses with me. Now, obviously, they wouldn't have realized that it was non-alcoholic wine. But when I took a sip after not having alcohol in such a long time, it burnt my mouth. Like I recoiled because my body was just like, no, we don't. Oh, we don't fuck with poison, Bianca, anymore. I was like, oh, we don't fuck with poison. Okay, yeah. And it burnt me. My body's gotten to the point of being like, no, we don't want that poison. It's, it's a poison. Right. Now. Let's stop talking because you and me, mm. we were just saying, oh, your scientific resources and people are listening to this fucking podcast. Yeah, people are like, <laughs> look, I don't know. We've done, we've went out and sought the help for them. Now, look, when I, when we were about to introduce this guest, I just want to say I got a bit of a crush. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and I feel so inappropriate because we've yeah. had only women on this yeah. whole alcohol mini series and I mm. don't want to be that person. No, I don't want to objectify a guest. That's terrible and not something I would support. Having said that, though, love him. Love him. Yeah. He is such a syrup. He really cares. I think that's the thing. That's the thing. He's passionate and he cares. And he's like, I'm just (laughs) fighting the good fight. So the guest that we have is Dr. Sol Newman and he used to work for the CSIRO Mm -hmm. and he's a doctor who – uh, he's a bit of a whistleblower, but we'll get into that in the interview. Mm-hmm. And he's going to talk to us about alcohol, the way that we've been lied, a bit of corruption, and also the yeah. dangers involved in it. So. Yeah, and he has worked in this, so he knows what he, he knows. Is yeah, he, he knows about. his shit. Yeah. <laughs>
Now, you have been labelled a whistleblower of sorts <laughs> uh, on the relationship between the government's support of the alcohol industry. What exactly did you reveal? Well, basically, I, I revealed what are very deep ties and long-lasting ties between the Australian government, especially in the CSIRO, and the Australian alcohol industry. Now, I say Australian alcohol industry, but what I really mean is the largely foreign-owned alcohol industry in Australia. And so what I revealed was that essentially the CSIRO is going against its own mandate for serving the Australian people and improving the lives of the Australian people by running intensive research programs targeted at helping the alcohol industry to an enormous extent. So the year I left the CSIRO and the year I raised these problems, uh, several things had happened. There had been a $1.5 million grant given out to increase the amount of alcohol produced in China using Australian products, specifically a, a drink called Baiju, which is, is produced by sorghum. Um, so effectively, Australian, the Australian idea was to convert fields that were growing food for people and turn them into fields that are growing alcohol for Chinese consumers. Uh, another thing that had happened the same year was that Michelle Allen uh, is, a, is a board member of both the CSIRO and Wine Australia, and through some incredible coincidence, the CSIRO decided to give $18 million to Wine Australia uh, to develop new wine flavours. Right? And this is, this is money that is directly coming out of taxpayers' pockets and is supposed to be going towards research that's in the national interest and in the public interest. Because what, uh, so is, I, what is the CSIRO's sort of duty? The duty of the CSIRO is to essentially improve the lives of Australians through research. Right, right. right? It's, it's a very clear mandate. We are supposed to uphold Australian industries, but the core function of the CSIRO is to improve the lives of ordinary Australians. And that doesn't sound like... <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of, a I might not problem. be as smart as you. Yeah, I don't have a PhD, <laughs> no. but I mean... <laughs> so how much influence then does the government have on the alcohol industry? Well, the, the government has an enormous influence on the alcohol industry, but they, they have often shown very little backbone to the alcohol industry. So, for example, in this country, we've just had an eight-year legal battle and more than a 20-year battle overall to put a tiny little pregnant lady with a crossed-out symbol on every bottle of alcohol. Now, th that is something that could have been solved effectively overnight by changing labelling laws. Very simple intervention almost no willpower to, to carry that through. And you can see this in Sydney's lockout laws. There's been strong evidence that has saved a lot of lives. There's been strong evidence that people actually live there like the laws. But when the hotel industry stands up and say, we, we don't like this, uh, it's taken no time at all to roll those laws back. So, you know, it, it's, it's a bit of an open question, but there are a lot of, when I say deep links, the CSIRO has been helping the alcohol industry intensively since the 1960s. And, I mean, th this goes back to a period when instead of having a machine that picked your wine, you had a bunch of people come in uh, and they would pick wine by hand. The CSIRO developed the machine that picks grape vines. And effectively what this does is if you have to rely on human labour, wine is expensive. If you can use a machine to do it, you can make cask wine. 
right? So what we've done is use taxpayer money. And, and at the time, it was said that this was the wrong thing to do. But the one person in particular, John Possingham, has decided it was a good idea to bring in a mechanical prototype from California, build a mechanical grapevine harvester, and as a result, we can produce $2 bottles of wine. Now, that's not a good influence on the world, right? Like You'd struggle to find anyone who would think that the invention of box wine was some sort of boon to humanity, right? Like, it's yeah. Not, it's yeah. not like anyone's, you know, there's no wine connoisseurs out there crying tears if, if box wine goes away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but the goon bag so, has become such – It's a, a national it's a, uh, yeah. icon, icon, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It, it is an icon, right? But people around the world are so shocked to know that we drink wine out of a cask. Like bladders. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. This, this way of producing wine hasn't really caught on in, in the traditional wine producing company. <laughs> yeah. country. It's like this, this enormous sin. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you spoke in your article, I guess, about the government maybe says that the alcohol industry helps the economy, but you have said it doesn't help the economy. That's right, and that's according to the government's own figures. Um, right, and why? And why is that exactly? There's, there's there's a few different reasons. The primary one is health. So if you just took the total amount of taxable receipts from the alcohol industry and just used them to pay medical bills, you'd run out in about April for alcohol-related Whoa. injuries, right? And <gasps> really? that's just the medical bills. Yeah. Right, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then you start counting lost days off work. So there are complex issues like the cost of domestic violence, which is about a third of domestic violence is just down to drinking. About two thirds of the incidents that need police are just down to drinking. You know, you can try and put money on that, but honestly, regardless of whether we're making money, you know, is this something we really want to be doing? Is this something we want to encourage? Or do we, as a nation, need to stand up and say, well, actually, maybe we do have a bit of a drinking problem, right? Maybe we are nationally having a few too many. Yeah, I mean, I have shivers. Yeah, like, yes. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're big figures. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the one that really shocked me, and it, it, it was a tough personal thing to do because I like the people at CSIRO. Right? Mm. One of the people who works on alcohol with me also works on feeding people. Right. Mm-hmm. One of the things they could be doing instead of this is developing new crops for Africa. They just developed a new cowpea crop. Africa that is drought resistant. So, you know, maybe I should make this clear because it's not something you really think about, but alcohol kills four times as many people as AIDS. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right? And and it's a product that we make. Yeah. It's not something that's some unstoppable force. It's actually something that we manufacture and market and, and it's getting worse. The number of alcohol deaths in America has doubled since 1999. Right? The, the rates of drinking in China have gone up 70% since 1990. So it's not some sort of thing that's always happened. It's not some course of nature. It's, it's actually an aggressively marketed product that kills people. And we really have to think about that. Do you think that the government should be providing better education around the truth about alcohol? Because for me personally, when I started going sober, I learned all this stuff about alcohol that I had no idea. I didn't know that it was dangerous. I didn't know that it caused cancer. I had no idea. Do you think that the government should be helping us make better decisions? Oh, I absolutely do. Look, I I thought I was well informed 
when I started on this 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 journey with learning about alcohol and speaking out against the alcohol industry, I wasn't well informed. And it's sort of, I guess you'd call it fractally bad. Like the more you look at it, the worse it gets. And it doesn't matter how deep you go, it keeps getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a very comfortable thing to start thinking about because people enjoy drinking, right? But if we didn't enjoy drinking, no one in their right mind would do it. It would be drink like drinking paint or something. I mean, even like if, yeah. even though people do enjoy doing it, forget about even the dangers to their health. It's the hangovers. Like they, yeah. they still complain about how bad the hangovers are, and then they still drink. So you know, it. I mean, like yeah, they enjoy it, but they also simultaneously hate it. Yeah, yeah. You you don't enjoy it the next day. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of hidden risks, and I think you know. Like you said, the need for better education is really clear. I remember finding out that about one in 10 epilepsy deaths are actually caused by alcohol and thinking like, is there, is there nothing off limits? Because I never would have made that connection. But it's extraordinary. You know, you talked about cancer. It's an enormous cancer risk. You can do this wonderful conversion where you convert cigarettes to cancer risk and then cancer risk in alcohol to cancer risk. And you can say, how many cigarettes are in my glass of wine? Mm. Right. <laughs> there are 10 cigarettes in a in a bottle of wine. That's how much cancer risk, right? Wow. And so it boils down to one, <laughs> one stubby is a dart. Wow. Right? wow. And if you picture that, that's not a really good picture, right? But we know the risks yeah. about cigarettes. We're, yeah, we're and told. that's right. Yeah. We've got the yeah. pictures on the cigarette packaging. There's ads. They're that- not allowed to advertise. The They're not allowed to market promoting it yeah but there is even yeah. when you know there's for many years there's been the advertising where they cut open organs and the tar comes yeah. out yeah. and all of yeah. that sort of stuff i've only seen like a few ads on responsible drinking but i heard that they're were they funded by the government did you say the that you know like um drink wise drink wise that's it or is that yeah. the, that's by the industry isn't it yeah drink wise is it's a very clever idea um drinking responsibly because there's no such like there's no actual definition of it, right? You, there's no such level as, as a responsible level. So if you have a few too many, the marketing sort of trick here is that if you drink too much, you don't blame alcohol. You say I didn't drink responsibly. Oh, it was my fault, mm. right? I I had a few too many last night. That wasn't responsible. It's you like the, it's like gambling, of, isn't it? Yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. gamble responsibly. It's not our product that's dangerous. <laughs> it's you not having control around it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that when things go wrong, you don't blame the gambling or the drinking. You blame yourself. And it's it's a very clever marketing ploy. And, you know, especially because people are really bad at estimating things when they're drunk. I know. The amount of times that I thought I could afford those shots of tequila for everyone, no, I couldn't, you know, that alone. But it it is, I guess as well with alcohol, because we're not educated, it's an addictive substance, which we're not taught. So when you have someone that starts smoking, you know, people are like, well, you shouldn't have picked it up, you know, to begin with. You knew it was addictive, right? But people don't know that about alcohol. And so when someone does get addicted to it and become an alcoholic, we sort of shun them to be like... when you turn when you turn 18, you don't... um, just no, immediately buy a pack of cigarettes, mm. but everyone will pour you a glass of wine because now you're oh, yeah. allowed to drink. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's kind of funny, like I've had this, I've done what you've done and tried to go off the grog and, and I haven't missed it, but it's led to some pretty weird experiences. Like people look at you 
<laughs> like you're either a happy clappy or <laughs> you've got something terribly wrong with you. Like, yeah. that, like, like you must be dying to – like there can't just be no reason. No, I know. <laughs> know like what, what happened? What no Did you hit rock bottom? They have to know that something bad happened. Yeah. It's like yeah, – um, Yeah, that's right. What is it that uh, alcohol is the one drug in the world you have to justify not taking? You know, if someone – offers you a crack pipe and you're like no they're like yeah probably a good choice (laughs) but the second that someone offers you a wine and you're like no i'm good they're like well uh excuse me no why are you having one oh he's he must be sick he's not on crack yeah exactly exactly. (laughs) oh goodness what truths would you like to get out about alcohol i had a good think about this before i came on and I came up with a sports metaphor. If you pictured it as, you know, so let's say Steve Smith goes on the on the cricket field and starts cracking sixes. You know, it's pretty normal. But above and beyond anything he's done before. And then, so let's say, 18 months later, you find out that he's been on steroids the whole time. Now, you can't go back and say, oh, well, this six here on Saturday the 14th, that's a steroid six. And the one after that, that's not a steroid six. And every second six is, is due to the steroids. Right? And you can't do the same with alcohol, right? You can't say this domestic violence case where the person was drunk was only because of the alcohol, but the next one isn't because of the alcohol. What happens with domestic violence is that two-thirds of the time people are drunk. If you view it as a performance-enhancing drug for domestic violence, then taking alcohol away halves that number. Mm -hmm. So every second punch belongs to the alcohol industry. And the same thing happens with cancer. The same thing happens with people having accidents. Like I said, there's 170,000 ER visits a year in Australia. And it doesn't have to be someone having a drink-driving incident on the M4. It can be... You in your own home having one glass too many and tripping over the coffee table. And what frustrates me is that the blame that should be going to the alcohol industry because every second coffee table fall or every second time you walk into a fan or something is is down to, to alcohol never gets assigned to them. People always blame themselves. So, so my message would be don't blame yourself. Blame the people who sold the thing to you. Because they are killing one out of every 20 people on earth. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just. <laughs> I'm sure that's really heavy. But no, yeah. I, no, I yeah. love it. I mean, like, I obviously don't I hate love it. And it. Love I hate it. it, but I just love, like, yeah. how powerful it is. And I mean, you, you certainly are the little whistleblower, aren't you? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. Yeah. Wow. I'm kind of speechless. This is the first interview where I've really not known even what to say because yeah. I feel This quite is the sick. first one with someone with a PhD, is that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, true. I've got to say, good on you for just having a go at getting off it, right? It's not mm-hmm. like going off it for a month is going to kill you. Yeah. Well, we've <laughs> but, been off it for now. Yeah, um, it's been seven six, months for Seven me. months for her yeah, and six months fantastic. for me. So, But, I mean, you know, the thing is that's so funny, uh, not funny, but is literally the, the social aspect of it, of people not accepting that you want to stop. They can't 
fathom it because it's so ingrained in our culture that yeah. that's what we do yeah. and that has been the biggest struggle yes yeah. I mean like we're yeah. both we're both vegan and I liken it to when you go vegan you're like oh no I don't want to eat meat anymore and everyone's like oh but why 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 and really attack you yeah. for your choices yeah and they and they and they want to <laughs> yeah. tempt you they're constantly trying to tempt you you know I, like even yeah. the other day I went to have an ice cream and someone's like oh that's a tiramisu ice cream it's got alcohol in it you'll be breaking your alcohol I was like they can't just sit no. on it and reflect because it means that they have to reflect on their own actions too yeah. and maybe look in the face what alcohol is doing yeah um but particularly yeah. for us being we've got quite a big audience that are 20 year olds and we really want to and 30 year olds you know uh, drinking is just so normal in mm. the culture and we want to at least be two voices that might be on the other side yeah. so that we can we're never going to counteract how big everything else is around alcohol but at least we can be two people that you know if other people are looking to stop drinking they can look to us yeah look you can you can make different a difference with your choices right like and you can say well look it is a big it is a huge problem but given the odds of dying from alcohol if you drink if you can convince you say 10 people to drink you've saved someone's life yeah right that's pretty cool. I, I know. I, I'm, an, I'm an enormous dork, so don't believe me when I say <laughs> No, I love it. Oh, my God. But, you know, I, I, had, I had the peer pressure recently because I had my brother's bucks party. My brother's a builder from Dubbo, and so everyone who turned up was basically a builder from Dubbo. It was a pretty wild, old, right, pretty wild time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it actually wasn't as big a deal as you would think. Once you got past what you're talking about, which is the initial look that, you know, your head is cracked open and an alien has come out. Mm. Once you get past that, everything's fine. Yeah. That's what we're discovering too. Yeah, we're kind of learning that. And I guess as well, showing up and, and having a good time without alcohol, I think yeah. has actually has made our friends sort of reflect like, oh, okay, cool. Well, if B can sort of go out and socialise or if Annie can socialise, well, maybe I could do it too and they might drink less. So I think like just showing up and doing it is yeah is worthwhile as well. Yeah. Yeah, and that we have yeah. we haven't really changed. In fact, we're probably more fun now because we can remember the conversations that we've had with people, mm. or you know, we're not saying inappropriate things, or or just waiting for my next drink. Like yeah. that's all I There's would do. There's a lot more you know? time. I would actually spend time with my friends and want them to talk less because I would be like, oh, they're going to judge me. I've already finished my drink, and I really want to get another one, but they haven't finished theirs, so I'll wait for them. But they wouldn't shut the fuck up. And I'm like, can you stop talking and drink your drink already so I can have another one, you know? And just like, that's not fun for me. Like, that's not fun socialising for me. But no, yeah. but you would know. Like, I really want to thank you for coming on because you would probably know how ostracising it is. We've tried to get people to come and talk to us. And sure, having people that are passionate about this topic, they're so happy to come on. But someone else that's not necessarily in the sober space or, you know, wanting to talk about the dangers of alcohol, crickets. Yeah. In response. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, you just, <laughs> yeah. You just have to wonder, you know, it's fairly simple if you if you imagine that a company was making steroids, but that those steroids were killing one in every 20 people. It might, might be unacceptable. Mm. Now, can I ask you a question? This is a little bit off topic, but I've always wondered, yeah. and you seem like you might know. If you don't know, you don't have to. But how do they make non-alcoholic wine? Because it says alcohol removed. What do they do? Yeah, it's a long and complex chemical process is my understanding. Right, okay. Damn yeah. it. I will find out one day. Someone will know. I just 
It yeah. blows my mind. Yeah, yeah. I don't get how they do it. There's a lot of long words on Wikipedia if you want to have a go at it. <laughs> yeah, and let's be fair, we would never understand. Yeah, so. yeah, no, we've got, no, we've yeah. got to leave a few mysteries in our life. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, well, I, it's, chemistry is definitely the, the dark arts from Harry Potter for me too. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you so much, yeah, you've um, been especially calling on a Saturday. We really, really appreciate it and – You've said so many amazing things that, you know, there were mic drop moments. Yeah. Great. All right. Well, thanks very we'll, much for um, having me. We'll keep in touch uh, when we let you know that the podcast goes Yeah, do you have on... like an Instagram or like a webpage you want us to promote? I have a Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. cool. What is it? About it? We'll write uh, it down. It's just Saul underscore Newman. Saul yep. underscore Newman. Yep. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We'll right. tweet you. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. More than 100 followers. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. See ya. Bye. Bye. I love him. I absolutely love him. This podcast was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Bianca Thompson. Me. <laughs> and my best friend, Annie Nolan. Music by Pleasant Pictures Music. We want to thank Dr. Sol Newman for bringing his expertise and whistleblowing to our podcast. You can and should follow Dr. Sol Newman on Twitter at Sol underscore Newman. We have a few more episodes coming up in this alcohol mini-series that will look at a whole range of topics and have some really exciting guests. So hit the subscribe button to ensure you don't miss out. And while you're at it, rate and review us too. To keep up to date with us and our podcast, you can follow us online. Check us out on Instagram and or Facebook at We Want To Be Better. And come and see our stand-up show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival from the 26th of March. Tickets are available at annieandbianca.com.au. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, got to soul, Dr. Soul, wake up now, wake up now, Dr. Soul. Soul, calling Dr. Soul, Dr. Soul, Dr. Soul, wake up now. Yippee, yippee, That's why I could not have a friend that was a doctor. I would just say that all the time. Mm.